You're listening to the Hard Liquor and Hunting Stories Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Bolt Action Coffee, Safari Club International, Calgary Chapter, and Best of Seven Barbers. Production assistance provided by Fighting Spirit Productions. Now, kick back with a cold one, relax, and enjoy our show. Welcome, 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 everyone. We are back. You're listening to the Hard Liquor and Hunting Stories Podcast. Today, we're doing something a little bit different. We have taken the show on the road. We are actually out of our regular building, our regular address, and we're out in, with uh, with George Samaha. Did I say that right? Did I say your last you name? Did. Wow, nailed, nailed it! it it's been so long, brother. Uh, a terrific Albertan, a fantastic fly fisherman, um, a very highly skilled tradesman as well. Uh, woodworker, oh, you're, you're too kind, too master kind. of all trades. Right, anyway, we're at his shop today, and um, I, I connected with George. A few years ago now, like it seems like yesterday, but I'm looking at the calendar and it's been a number of years. Um, and we were always just, uh, I don't know, you and I would just chat re- rather easily. Like you took me out on the fishing trip on the uh, on the Old Man River there. And that was really great because I will admit I am an extremely beginner, not even novice level fisherman. But I'm always casually dabbling on the water. And it's always great to uh, hear from the masters, if you will. <laughs> Uh, to really learn the game. So, George, thank you so much for having, or sorry, thank you for making the time for us today. And joining us today is not just George. We also have this, I don't know, it's an old smoky Tennessee moonshine. I've never had this before. It comes in a mason jar. Uh, for those listeners, there'll be a, a photo of it online. We'll put it up. And we're just drinking it straight because what, what do you think, George? You know what? I love it. I don't normally drink a lot, but this is actually really easy to drink. Yeah, like like our producer Brooke, he's giving me the nod that, you know, hey, yeah, that's some terrific stuff. So I'm not going to lie. This is probably going to become a staple in my liquor cabinet from now on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure things will get rather animated because these are just too too terrific and delicious. Um, but, yeah, George, man, welcome to the show, man. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. This was a blast. So I got to ask, how did you get into fly fishing? Like what 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 did it for you? You know, I fished forever as a kid, and uh, so I was out uh, working in the oil industry, and and we had a horrible camp where we were at. The food was just something else. Tasted like diesel? (laughs) Almost. (laughs) That might have been better. (laughs) So one of the guys I uh, was working with, uh, they were going fishing all the time, so I went and joined them, and uh, first time I was introduced to fly fishing was with him. Had an absolute blast, and then I was just addicted to it ever since then and I think I was about uh, 25 at the time and just just went nuts uh, my next shift home I went and bought fly tying gear I bought a rod and just went to town never stopped oh wow awesome it seems like this all engrossing hobby like uh, I remember the one time you put on that fly tying session for a bunch of vets here in, in, in town and that was that was a great bit like it was kind of the weirdest day in the spring where we had a massive snowstorm. Show Absolutely. Up. So that kind of affected attendance a little bit. But man, I didn't realize how much there, there was to it. And it was just, uh, it's a craft in, in a lot of ways, it well, seems. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. You could be as artistic as you want with the things or just take some belly button lint and put it on a hook and go catch a fish. <laughs> so yeah, it's fun because it's whatever people want to make out of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So... When it comes to guiding, when, when did you make the jump from just, I'm, I'm a passionate fisherman to 
you know, and I, I want to share my passion with others. I want to take other people on the river. When did that, when did you make that kind of transition? You know, through my work career, getting near the end, I always thought, well, what am I going to do when I, when I retire? And I'm ADHD. I, I can't sit still. So I narrowed it down to my woodworking and guiding. So I started uh, hanging out with uh, some buddies of mine that guided all the time. And next thing you know, I'd give them a hand uh, when they were short. And then I just loved it and had a, such a blast. You know, fishing is fishing. It's sort of what, what gets you out, just like hunting. You know, it, it sort yeah. of it gets you out. But when you're out there, you're enjoying the outdoors, people, you're, you know, having a good time. Everybody's having some laughs. And I think I really enjoy the mentoring part of it. So, yeah, like it's... Yes, the, the totality of the experience, as it, as it were. It's everything about it, right? It's absolutely. the fellowship, the community, the chats, the stories, the places. Oh, man, because we are blessed with just some terrific swift water and even some still water here in Alberta. Like, oh, man, just unbelievable places. Well, it's amazing. You know, if, if you just get off the beaten path a little bit, uh, don't be shy to walk away from your vehicle a little bit. There are some gems. You know, we don't have a lot here, but what we have is absolutely precious and beautiful well i'm not going to ask you to uh share your exact favorite spots with uh with pin locations because <laughs> next time you go there there might be uh, some extra guests that you did not anticipate which i hear is uh oh geez i was reading a, a, an edition of sporting classics the other day and it had this old cartoon from some old outdoors magazine in the early 1920s and it was how why you never share your favorite spot and it's just guys getting hooked up on each other's reels oh and lines God. and everything else like that and it was uh Somebody had written in to share that, their favorite spot. They said, you know, fly fishing gear is just hard to find. It's flying off the shelves right now just because the pandemic, more people are getting out. And I just wonder, in your experience, is that something that you've kind of seen? Because I know you kind of have have your uh, your fingers in all the fly fishing aspects, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if that's a proper thing. Well, you know, no, you're, uh, you're right on the money there. It's, uh, you know, if you're going to fish southern Alberta, uh, you know, last year I think someone started uh, – uh, Crownland Camping on uh, Instagram as a group, and next thing you know, they got sixty thousand members, and oh wow, you're seeing people out all over the place. And you know, it was okay. You know, honestly, uh, the fishing was impacted a little bit on the amount of fish you saw, but you know, you quickly figure out that these guys are just scared. They've seen so many people, so many hooks coming at them, and if you start fishing those really obscure, hard places look for the log jams, all of a sudden they'd all come back out and want to play. So, you know what? I love it. I, I love seeing people out. Nobody owns the land and we can't expect right. that you're going to be out there all the time and, and just have it to yourself. So, you know, those times you do get that, you enjoy it, you love it. But I also love seeing people out there with their families camping and, and having fun too. So, yeah, you yeah. know what? It wasn't a bad thing, but... Um, Again, people will always just go to where they have the easy access. So if you're looking for those places you want to be by yourself for a day, you know, hit Google Maps, look for those back roads and, you know, look for places you could walk into and you'll have a blast. Awesome. So have you have you noticed um, just with the border closures and everything, I imagine most of your clients before were really south of the border. Is that fair to say? Or Well, the fellow uh, I guide for, uh, Josh Nugent at Out Fly Fishing, uh, he attracted a lot of international guests and, you know, he's hosted a number of shows uh, himself. So sadly, you know, it was impacted greatly, I think, with with the borders closing. Uh, 
but in turn now, I think he's also built up a, a decent local clientele over the last 18 months. That's terrific. Awesome. So, yeah, you know what? It's starting to come back. Uh, and next year, I think with the borders opening again, it's it's going to be fantastic. I think it's a lot of... busters for sure, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people will want to knock some items off the bucket list. Oh, totally. You know, do a little traveling. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I, I think the pandemic has been a really good opportunity for a lot of Albertans to just kind of explore more what's in our backyards. We have all this uh, world-renowned kind of scenery and places to go. And I think it's been a real good opportunity for everybody to just kind of rediscover that, as it were, that, wow, this is this is here. This is this close to me. This is awesome. Absolutely. Let's get out of the city. So usually it's hard liquor and hunting stories, but you know what? We'll make an exception, George, because I think you're just such a, an awesome dude, man. Um, you got to have some great fly fishing stories where somebody... Do you care to share one with us? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of, one of my favorites, I was out uh, fishing alone here one day and I recently sort of got into just a, a, a bit of climbing, just having some fun on the water. So up I go up this bank and then had to sort of climb up and I found a little ledge. Well, next thing you know, I, I, I got to have a pee, man. I just couldn't hold it anymore. So sort of flip around and I was going to just start whizzing into the water. And next thing I know, there's a couple that starts walking by below. And I mean, I was out in the middle of nowhere. So I thought, so yeah, you know, nothing like uh, being out on a cliff, you know, nowhere to hide. <laughs> just, uh, just whipping it out. And whipping and it out, having a little waterfall. And <laughs> it was all I could do, but just wave high. <laughs> oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> Oh, so yeah, yeah, you know, you're you're always having uh, all sorts of fun, and uh, yeah, it, it's not hard to get into trouble out there. Oh, no doubt. So, do you ever have any uh, any strange clients come come with you on any of these trips? Oh, <laughs> no you know, names. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 been a few. Um, you know, some folks just come out with some uh, crazy expectations. Oh on uh, on on what they want to see or, or or what they want to do and so yeah you, you kind of try and meet that but uh yeah it's uh so it, it's yeah those those ones aren't worth sharing they were they were more of an annoying uh so are they looking more for like size of fish number of fish type of fish you know it's like anything i think everybody wants to have the the big the big fish they want that picture so what's what's the one that um, most uh most fly fishers are looking for like what's what's the money fish in, in your opinion you know that's the funny part with fly fishing it's so different i've had guys come out and they want to dry fly fish that's all they want to do and we've cast a fish all day without a hookup but there's content as could be and then you know there's others that will do whatever it takes to catch fish so you know, sometimes catching a eight-inch brookie in a little stream, people are just elated to catching a you know thirty, thirty-five-inch bull trout. <laughs> um, and I think I, I showed you that uh, video uh, from a few years ago where we had a father and son out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is ringing some bells. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, this was their first time ever out fly fishing, and they just took up fishing the year before. So, you know, here we are in a little hole. It's maybe like 20 feet across and the river itself was maybe four feet coming into this pool. So they catch a beautiful little 15 inch cutthroat. We were using a three weight fly rod. They're just having a gas. We're about to land this thing. And next thing you know, about a 30 inch bull trout comes and eats 
the cutthroat at our feet. And we happened to have it on video because I was, you know, taping them landing their fish. So, oh my God, did we ever have some laughs? This thing just took this poor guy all over the pool. The line is just shaking all over the place. Next thing you know, he's eating the fish and and, and it was gone. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, getting those memories there is awesome. Oh, no doubt. Well, I still, you know, I have such great memories the day you took me out because that was just unlike anything I'd done in a, in a long time. Like my, my brother, he's definitely into the swift water fishing uh, more than I am. Yeah. And, but, you know, him and I, we don't get along super well. So we don't really hang out too, we don't hang out too, too often. But, you know, that's, that's just me being dramatic, I guess. But with all these, I guess with kind of these new people discovering fly fishing, like I myself, I'm starting to kind of dabble more and more and more um, just because being outdoors is just, oh man, it's just great. And I feel like just with the lockdowns and everything really has made me more appreciative of, of the outdoors and, and the opportunities I get to kind of escape and be out there. What, uh, what advice would you have for um, newbie would be fly fishermen like myself? You know what? Hit your local fly shop. Uh, most of them are excellent. They'll give you usually a free lesson, show you how to cast. It's not hard to do. And they have some wonderful starter kits you could get. And uh, you know what? Just get out on the water and uh, give it a go. And it's, it, it's something special because it's not just putting a lure on and casting out. I mean, you're, you're out, you're walking in the water, you're turning over rocks, you know, you're, you're seeing what insects are hatching and eating. Uh, what I love most about it is it is like hunting because you see the fish in the water. You know, it's usually gin clear there. You see them eating and, you know, now you're trying to cast to them gently and watch them come up and take the fly. So, you know, it's a thrill. It's, it's exciting. Uh, and the scenery is just, mind-blowing in, in, in most cases and uh, yeah you know we've had it a few times where we're trying to land these fish and you know you're on on some slippery gravel and next thing you know I'm chest deep in the water like a ballerina trying to stay on my tiptoes as I go across trying to net this fish for people and so it's it's non-stop action you know and then there's times you could just sit back on the bank and and enjoy just uh, the scenery, watching the fish come up, and it's kind of a meditative experience, right? It is. Yeah. You know, you could make it whatever you want. Well, that that's awesome. So, are a lot of these shops? Because I know I've been, geez, even some hunting shops, some gun shops. I'm looking for something particular. Like, and I didn't notice this when uh, when I first connected with you there. Everybody was very uh, very welcoming, kind of into the fly fishing community, which isn't necessarily always the case with a lot of uh, outdoor pursuits. Like, uh, what, do you, what do you chalk that up to? Is it just because fly fishermen are a little more mellow, or a little more laid back? <laughs> oh, I don't know. So some guys are pretty uptight, right? They just don't like being around people. You know, I think what it is, um, I think all the shops would like to see more people involved in the sport. And, and even people of color. I mean, that's something you just don't see a lot of. You don't see a lot of women coming out, which you see more now, which has been wonderful. You don't see a lot of kids out with with mom or dad um so you know they're i think they're really trying to promote this as a as a family event uh it's good for everyone you know it doesn't matter what you do where you live what you look like i think they just want people to come out and, and enjoy the water so being friendly having you know fun things at the store for everyone to uh, be involved in or something that'll catch your eye and and then get out there and uh, enjoy the experience. So are there any myths when it comes to fly fishing? Like, is there anything that people just think is is patent 
it's true. And then you kind of have to kind of break it to them like, no, no. Do you have any of those favorite myths about fly fishing that oh, you always encounter? Man, there, there's, there's, there's just too many, and it's so much fun. <laughs> so literally, these people will come, and you know what? We got to have this fly. This fly works. This is what I believe in, and I, I you know, so you take them out, and then and they're literally fishing with it, and fish are just eating all around, not not even looking at their their fly. And literally, I've I've taken a feather off of the bank, and just put it on a hook with some fishing line, cast it out, and caught a fish. <laughs> and and what it comes down to, you're just trying to teach them. It's make it look like food. You know, it doesn't matter what the fly is doesn't matter what size it is in most cases. <laughs> We're still talking about fishing, right? Oh, yeah, bigger is better, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, it is just showing people, hey, present this thing the way that it's supposed to be, and fish will eat it. Yeah, because uh, the one I always hear is uh, big flies catch big fish. And is that is that one true, or is that? Yeah, well, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've caught some of my biggest bull trout on small nymphs okay you know i've also caught some nice ones on some you know big 10 12 inch streamers which is a lot of fun i think i think that's the key that that we're missing is these big flies are, are fun to toss you know they're 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 fun to watch in the water and of course it's great when you see you know the, the fish eat the thing so but you know what nah it's the biggest thing i think with fly fishing is it's it's so interactive that you know you're trying to get this thing to imitate the natural food that's that's in the water. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, you know once you get people to see that, then then it's it's great. Uh, same thing. I think when when you and I went out, I think I brought my ten kara rod out. Yes, yeah. I was actually talking about that on the on the way here with uh, with Brooke there about how um, I don't know we were talking about gear or something, Brooke. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about gear and how how some of it is just like, geez, you see these reels that just. Cost don't understand, yeah, like why, why the cost gets so high on some. Well, yeah, and it's it, and it's absurd, honestly. If you're going saltwater fishing, that's when you want to spend money on gear because, you know, I've I've had a a 12 inch bonefish break 20 pound test. Oh wow! Right, I mean these things are full of energy and fast runs, you know, instant uh, speed. So yeah, you want to spend money on a on a good stiff rod casting into the wind, you know your reel is going to be expensive. And, and a lot of those saltwater reels have the brake system uh, like an F1 race car. So that's what you're paying for. Okay. When people start spending that on trout fishing, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bit... Excessive? Excessive. Yeah. You know, because the Tenkara, when we went out, it's basically a, a string tied on to a stick. Yeah, that was the exact conversation I had. Right. That you had this, yeah. portable, this portable rod that just kind of shot out. Like, I, I, I think you, you show it to me and it just... I don't know, filled your one hand and I turn around and, oh, Jesus, got this full length rod all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the wife said, too. Yeah. And you were just, uh, you know, it didn't take you very long and you were just snapping fish out almost the second you put it in the water. Like, yeah. Like it's, and it's just a blast. So, yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the thing with, with fly fishing. You know, you could spend thousands of dollars on a setup, which is okay if that's what you enjoy. Or literally, you could tie a string onto a stick and put a fly on it <laughs> and catch a fish. So, you know what? It's 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 a hoot. So, and it's fun. Every year, I try and, and find a little different way to fish, just just for something entertaining. So, aside from the fly shops, like the dedicated fly shops, not like 
I don't know, going to Canadian Tire or wherever. And I'm not saying that they don't have knowledgeable staff in some of these places. But for you, what do you, what do you think a good resource is for people who want to get into fishing? They might not know anybody. Um, they might not have a shop close to them. Or maybe they're a little too intimidated. Where, where do you think they should go? You know, when I started, there really wasn't much out there. Um, so, you know, the Internet was was kind of a thing but it wasn't overly populated yet with that information uh so books back then were were fantastic um are there any classics because like when you know when it comes to hunting literature there's these tomes of these old books that like you know that teddy roosevelt either wrote or read himself yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know is there is there like a a tome bible you know it's funny for uh, for fly fishermen the one that people try and find the most right now uh barry mitchell wrote a book i think back in the uh, mid 80s alberta trout highway and he documented i think over five or eight years uh fishing the trunk road from grand prairie all the way down to coleman oh cool so the first half of the book was fun it's a bunch of a lot of entertaining stories and you know their adventures the last half was more of the technical stuff but you know, honestly, there's uh, there's so many resources. I mean, that book now is dated, but you know, just going online, it's amazing the amount of information you get. Um, but honestly, I mean, just go to your your local fly shop. Uh, you know, but you know, Canadian Tire also has some knowledgeable people. Uh, Cabela's, yeah. uh, Bass Pro Shop. Um, you know, the sport is 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 uh, sort of coming more into its own now. Uh, you know, a little more mainstream. So. A lot of people are, are interested, but, you know, hands down, you know, with Instagram and uh, YouTube, I mean, you could look up and learn just about anything awesome. that you want to know. So given all the information that, that's out there, uh, have you yourself stumbled upon anything you didn't know or like a new way of doing things that kind of changed your approach a little bit? Or did it just kind of more reinforce what you kind of had already learned? You know, all the time. And it's funny, I, I've learned some really cool things from, you know, uh, let's call it a fresh off the boat beginner nice. just because they ask questions and it makes you think and they you see them do something and you go hey you know that that's not bad that, that that'll work um and of course i mean a big part of of any of of these activities is just when you start talking to people and they're relaxed you know they start sharing a few things with you that you know you may not know or, or vice versa so absolutely awesome so is there um What's, what's your kind of default go-to, I guess, for... Because uh, we, we clearly have listeners who know way more about fly fishing than I do. So I, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm very well positioned to ask questions. Uh, I love it. <laughs> is there... Um, what, what kind of gear... Like, what, what's your go-to, I guess, your go-to apparatus when, when you're out, especially in, uh, in some of the fast water here in Alberta? So, you, you know, generally uh, a four-weight fly rod will get you through just about any trout, trout water here in Alberta. Um, if you want to target some bigger fish, say you want to go after pike, you know, getting into an eight, nine weight is fantastic. And I also use that when I go to BC for salmon. Okay. Um, and then once I start getting into the bigger bull trout or, you know, wind can be a real issue for casting. Mm -hmm. So I'll use a little heavier rod. Um, so, you know, the, the biggest ones I've, I've used here are probably 10 weights. And, uh, I, you know, I'm using those mostly for when we start uh, going after some Chinooks in the fall. Uh, big bull trout here in, uh, in late fall as well. And, and the wind in the gap sometimes could be just her. I've almost been blown down to my knees standing in the river. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you know, having that is, is fantastic. And I've still lost fish on those big rods. 
Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, there's some some great fishing out there. Just, uh, you know, be, being prepared a little bit. But, uh, yeah, in most cases, if you just want to start, you know, get yourself a four or five weight rod and you'll be into 90% of, of everything. And then from there, you can pick what else you want to do. Awesome. So when it comes to fish, not just catching them, do you have one that's your favorite to eat? You know, I haven't eaten uh, any trout in a long time. Oh, so mostly catch and release then. Catch right? and release for me, but yeah. salmon, are, they all—they always seem to come home. Oh, beauty. So, <laughs> no, we, we, we love salmon. I mean, growing up, we, uh, we used to eat a ton of trout. Uh, you know, before uh, bull trout were protected, they were probably one of my favorite to eat. Cause they're a char so okay yeah just a wonderful wonderful fish now the, the second most favorite which is now number one uh white fish oh smoked white fish is uh by far one of my favorites so do you just take them home throw them on the smoker or do you have like a secret recipe that uh that kind of goes along with all that i usually brine them for about a half hour okay just let them dry and then into the smoker and they've got so much fat in them um the meat is uh also a little chunky and uh, it stays very tender so even after it's been smoked it's it's fantastic we usually bring it out uh, for awesome. all the big events at home how long uh, how long do you throw it in your smoker for a couple of hours, a couple of hours? at okay. about 225 okay awesome yeah. i'm gonna have to give that a go or just show up next because <laughs> now we could all hang out so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll bring you some oh man I would, I would love to i love oh god i love i love salmon like uh my my godparents they they run a pacific salmon fishing venture in Banfield and I've been meaning to go out there for years and years and years oh. and years and I haven't seen them for a while which is kind of a bummer because they would always give me salmon and it was always great because it would just be sizzling up salmon steaks and you know it was always a mark of when they were coming back for the, from the end of the season right that I, I, I got all this salmon so like when you when you go salmon fishing like how how does that because um, you're hitting the rivers clearly absolutely yeah so what's um how, how's that do you have a different approach than when you're, when you're going for trout here in Alberta? Well, absolutely. Salmon, um, they're coming out of the ocean, migrating back to their home waters to spawn. So generally, you know, as they make a, a run through the fast water, they tend to stay closer to shore. So the bigger fish, if we're talking about springs and chum, they're going to generally be in sort of that six foot of water. So, you know, if you're standing on a river bank, you're trying to gauge the depth, that's where you're going to find some of the bigger fish. Um, the coho tend to be sort of in, you know, two to four feet. And coho, that's the really water. ugly looking one, right? No, coho, they look like rainbow trout almost. Oh, okay. Yeah, the ugly ones are the uh, pink salmon. Ah. And the chum. The chum, they just, they look like they're from uh, The Walking Dead. <laughs> um and they look really aggressive when the bars and stuff start coming out. And by the way, they are my most favorite to catch. I think I have broken more fishing gear on chum than any other fish. Just just a really good fight. Oh, they their first run, it's like you hooked into a tank and then it just takes off like a jet. So how, how would you describe it? Is it more like a, like a lake trout? Or is it like a constant fight? Or is it like a pike where it's, it's very jerky? And, and... Oh, it's constant. It's a tug of war. The whole time. I mean, uh, right up until you, you land them, they're, they're going crazy. Uh, coho are a lot of fun visually because they jump out of the water, very acrobatic. Oh, cool. Um, pink salmon generally tend to be a little more sluggish and, and, you know, again, a tug of war. 
uh, but plenty of fish. So when you have like a big, uh, big pink year coming in, which is usually every odd, odd year, if you want to take your kids and get them hooked to fishing, that's the time to do it. I mean, you literally, as you come into a gravel bar with your boat, you see the water part. Oh, wow. The color changes and then it just closes back up behind you and you're catching fish just steady. Oh, wow. Um, you know, so the other thing is, like I say, so you're fishing shallow most of the time okay. for these things. Um, and uh, again, if the water is uh, clear enough, you know, very visual and they, they come and run. So all of a sudden, you know, you're catching fish for a while, you're having fun. And then, you know, you're, you can sit back, relax for a bit, wait for the next run to come through, have a few laughs, you know, have a couple of drinks, whatever. And and then off you go. Um, you know, you don't need to buy any big expensive gear when you're river fishing. You can generally walk into a lot of the uh, the gravel bars. So, you know, it's easy to do. And then if you want to be more remote, that's where the boat comes in handy because then you can just get away from people, find a little bar somewhere and off you go. Beauty. So do you ever run into any of uh, any of the more wild fishermen, i.e. the bear population? <laughs> oh, regularly. So like, are they, I guess they're probably going after the same spot. So you guys are really, or do bears kind of tend to go, or sorry, select different spots than your average fisherman would? So when I go up to the to the Queen Charlotte's, uh, we run into bears probably at least once, if not up to three times a day. Oh wow! Um, a lot of the time, though, they're just so focused on eating, and there's so much food for them there. We've never had any any real incidents. I've turned around one time and had a bear sit behind me like a dog, just watching me fish. Oh wow! I've had a bear take a fish off my line that I was landing. Unreal. Oh. Black, black bear? Or black crazy? bear. Oh, Up there, okay. they're black bear. Oh, beauty. But they're, they, they could be quite big. Yeah, they yeah they could be seven feet tall, easy, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so this this one was hilarious. My buddies were just yelling at me now, right? So I'm landing this coho, and, you know, we're bringing it in, and I'm swinging it over to the sand. And I look up, and there's a bear. He's running at me. And all of a sudden, the brakes come on, because now the fish is on on the sand. Jeez. And he, he's looking at the fish and he's looking at me and looks at the fish, looks at me. He grabs the fish and then he's gone. So I got to ask. So he got the fish in his mouth. Were you trying to reel the bear? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. It didn't work so well. Oh, Yogi was not interested. Okay. Oh, man. So, but yeah, you know, same trip. Uh, a buddy of mine was fishing across. And again, it was about maybe a 30 foot wide little hole. Um, it was on the Pallant River we were fishing at the time. Okay. And when I looked up, there was a bear sleeping above him on a branch with all fours, all four paws just dangling there. <laughs> he, he didn't even know, you know, and so here we are, we're out in the fall, you know, you got crunchy leaves, sticks. I mean, you're making a ton of noise when you're walking. Yeah. And we, I couldn't hear this, this bear come up that came up behind me and he couldn't hear the bear that went up. Oh, wow. Went up the tree to have a nap. <laughs> so, you know, I'm generally a little less cautious there, but when I'm fishing in the foothills here, it's, you know, it's a bit different. Um, you know, I've, I've surprised a few bears and luckily nothing, nothing bad had happened. I, I'm a little more weary of, of the grizzlies for sure because they tend to be a little more territorial and a yeah. little more curious. But, uh, you know, overall, though, I, I really haven't had any negative experiences. I haven't had to put out a bear banger or use bear spray or, you know, anything like that. But oh, you yeah, do see great. them and it's beautiful. Oh, they're such cool animals. 
songs, man. Yeah. They're, they're great. Like, uh, I was out in the Chinchaga Wilderness area one time. I was just there for a long weekend, and I think I stopped counting at 40 bears. That's how many there were in the area. And, you know, a mixed bag. Like, obviously more black bear than grizzly. But, oh, man, mm-hmm. those grizzlies there. They're something else. Holy crap. Oh, I would not want to. I would not want to run into one if I had a salmon on the line. <laughs> you know, even a black bear, you know, they can be pretty intimidating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for sure. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, oh, they're just such majestic beasts. Awesome. <laughs> oh, it's it's fantastic. I mean, we uh, we came across one last year. Uh, we were fishing on the Old Man River, and uh, we're just fishing a, a big pool again after a, a nice little fall. And fifty yards up, we saw a bear come across. You know traverses the water like nothing and then you know he's going up this 30 degree slope the bank on the other side and i mean he was up there in seconds so oh, wow. yeah it's just it's incredible to watch them yeah the way they can move man oh wow so you got so you got the coho you got the um oh geez it escapes me already <laughs> yeah so yeah like so um Co- coho is your favorite eating one is that what coho is the cool. favorite to yeah, eat okay. springs are also quite good and I mean, people, there's, you know, springs are also called Chinooks or, or yeah. King Salmon. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like eating the pinks. You know, I don't mind them. They're just a little softer flesh, but you know, they're, they're not bad. And same thing with chum. A lot of people, oh yeah, you don't want to eat that. That's, man, they make probably some of the best candied salmon I've, I've oh, ever had. I love that. I love smoked salmon, candied salmon, all of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's probably the one fish I think I could eat every single day with, uh, well, with with no break, <laughs> actually, to be honest, it's one of my favorite fish. Oh man! Well, for sure. And you know what? The the beauty of catching them in a river is there's no sounding. They can't go down. Oh wow! So, so they're, just, they're there. And they're there, and now you literally are chasing them up and down the bank if it's a big fish. So do you notice a difference in the season? Because like I always hear these stories, and I don't know how factual they are. Like when they when they're going to spawning, they're just exhausted. Is that is that true? Do they fight differently during that part of the year? Or no, not at all. You know, they're they're just super focused on what they're doing, so they're not eating anymore. Um, if you're using uh, fly fishing gear, you're basically just irritating them with the fly going past oh, wow. so okay. they're just they're annoyed they're they're getting rid of it so that's not really the time of year to target them then um well as soon as they hit the fresh water okay they're they're in in spawn mode okay right you don't want to bother them generally when you see they've made their red and they've got eggs but as they migrate up to their waters that's when you want to target them so yeah i mean stay off their home waters if they're already set up and uh, they've got a red made uh, just just like any other fish but during the spawn on the way up you know it's it's fair game and you'll know it because they're still silver I've caught them with sea lice still on them and uh, you know probably as far up as as hope if I'm on uh, on the Fraser River okay. and if we're up in the Skeena uh, I mean, well, we're we're well past Terrace, and they'll still have sea lice on them. Oh wow! So you know, it's it's interesting, and 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 the nice thing with them is they uh, they always move on high water. So when the tide changes, when you get high tide, they'll start coming in. If you get a lot of rain, they'll move. And uh, you know, again, if the water's clear enough, it, it is like hunting because you'll see them starting to come through, and Beauty. you know, you're you're casting over to them, and they get irritated enough, they'll they'll take. And same thing, guys will put out little buzz bombs or um, the little spinning glows. Okay. And it's for the same thing because as they come up, there's vibration in their face. They'll just snap at it. So 
when you talk about them in the red, do you, uh, do you ever go for salmon caviar? I know some guys, they're, they're really into that. It just, seems like it's one of the new, I don't want to say if it's new and trendy, because I, I can't say I've been along, well, been around long enough to really <laughs> say that. But I don't know, I, oh, I saw it as a fishing show where they, they, they seared up the, the skin and then they just put the caviar on it and ate it like a cracker. Like, is that something some guys are really go to? Or is that kind of like a niche item that I just discovered one day and thought was, oh, that looks neat? Well, you know, if you've gone for sushi, you've probably eaten uh, pink salmon eggs. Okay. You know, uh, the natives, uh, the First Nations, they get uh, uh, draws and, and um, oh, I can't think of the word I'm, I'm looking for here. But anyhow, they, they're allocated a certain amount to take. And, and that's and that's what they're after. Okay. Uh, the rest they'll uh, sell to the pet food companies and it'll be packaged up for, you know, cat food, dog food, what have you. But, uh, you know, what I do with, with the eggs is when we get bored of catching salmon, uh, I usually have a, my jet boat up when we go and we'll go find a nice trough in the river and uh, we'll get some lady stockings and we'll make little egg pouches Okay. and we fish for a sturgeon. Oh, oh, awesome. So, you know, you change it up while you're on the river a little bit, you know, and I think uh, my, my wife sent me uh, an article the other day that some record sturgeon was just uh, was just taken out of one of the rivers in BC. Like you said, it was a roughly hundred year old fish. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I I've I've never uh, caught one or seen one in person. I've seen lots of pictures, but yeah, I think they can get up to uh, fifteen feet or sixteen feet. Some of the the older fish that they had pictures of, and I think every year they catch at least uh, four or five in that twelve plus foot range just monsters monster yeah, yeah it, they're it's, like a prehistoric dinosaur that's just there yeah the biggest one i've ever caught with my son was about seven feet long oh wow and that took us about 45 minutes oh yeah. to bring in and it was just a hoot <laughs> so who's who's more tired at the end of it was uh the son had a little bit of bravado thank god oh, i can reel it in old man yeah he was good for about five minutes and then <laughs> and then it was all dad Oh, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's a blast. So, I, I, I mean, you know, the fishing gets you there. The adventure is what what keeps you coming. What back. keeps you coming back? Because there's so much to do. You know, you're not limited to if you're going for salmon. Well, you still have options. I mean, there's trout, there's sturgeon. You know, there's so many different things you could go after. Uh, there's uh, crawfish in the Fraser that are the size of my the palm of my hand. They're massive. So, you know, you can set up a little little trap. and oh, wow. Well, Brooke, we might have to find ourselves out there in BC uh, do, doing some field recording and trying to go after one of these dinosaurs and <laughs> see how tired we can get. Oh, man. Well, if you haven't done it, it's a hoot because uh, uh, these things will come out of the water. Like the, the sturgeon as... Well, well, like I'm thinking like Shamu. Like a <laughs> oh, they do. <laughs> well, really, they just... They do, yeah. Just leap right out. Wow. They'll come right out of the water. Like I've, I've had them come up six, five, six feet out of the water when they jump. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's insane. And sometimes they, uh, I, I don't know why they do it, but you'll just be fishing and you'll see these massive sturgeon just come out of the water and splash like a oh, whale. Wow. So not even like during the fight. That's no. just on their own. They're yeah. just showing you that they're there. Yeah, I don't know what it is that, that makes them do it. You know, obviously I think when they're hooked, it's something different, but I've seen it happen just on its own. Oh, man. I can, I can imagine if you weren't expecting it too. You're just kind of sitting around. By the water, chatting, you know, maybe having a few bevs, and then just this dinosaur jumps out of the water, like, holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> and you know we're legal in Canada too, so that might inspire other feelings. But then you, then you look at <laughs> then you look at your glass, going, "What have I been drinking?" Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, 
it is. It's it's just a hoot. Oh man, that's unreal. So have you ever done any have you ever done any international fishing like gone up north or anything like that? Or? Um, well, I've, I've like I said, we've been up to the Queen Charlotte's. Um, I haven't fished Alaska per se, but uh, north of Terrace, uh, you're all, you're in the Working Channel, which borders on Alaska. Okay. Um, and up there, it's again, it's so so beautiful. They have an old uh, volcanic flow. I think it's a hundred thousand years old now, and it's oh, all covered cool. with white lichen. Oh, neat! Yeah, just the coolest I, I, thing. I didn't know it came in that color. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And then uh, one of the rivers we fish, uh, the Tasex River up there, you got to traverse the lava for about a mile, mile and a half to get to the water. And uh, one time we we had gone down, we were fishing it, and we ran across this guy, an older gentleman, and he had a, a local guide with him. And so as we were chit chatting, he said the day before they were fishing and they saw a grizzly bear tree a black bear knock down the tree and kill the black bear wow yeah so the guy uh, that was guiding the older gentleman there you know he had a uh, I'm just trying to remember here I, I think it was a uh, a 300 uh, magnum on him and yeah it's it's crazy. I mean, I've seen lots of bears up there. I've just never run across anything yeah, like wow. that before. I've seen, uh, well, I was I was out in, in the backwoods one time, and we saw uh, a black bear had been buried. And it was strange because we were just kind of going through this trail, and there was just this old bear corpse mostly buried. And oh, my God. I didn't really know anything about it, and this one friend of mine with me, like, I don't know how to describe it other than it felt like I was coming across the body of some serial murderer <laughs> thrown in the woods. And... We were kind of looking at it because we were wondering, oh, well, maybe somebody poached it or, or you know, just yeah. ditched it there. But um, just looking at it, didn't, I don't know, it's not like we're CSI investigators. Like, it didn't look like anybody shot. It had been there for a while, too. So, you know, I may have seen the show Bones, but I am by no means an expert on anything like that. <laughs> but uh, a buddy of mine kind of went, you know, down the rabbit hole of investigating. And he, apparently, sometimes the grizzly bear will kill a black bear and sometimes they'll bury them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah which I didn't know. I didn't really think to know about that or anything. I thought, you know, another bear would just eat the other one and call it a day, but... Yeah, I think it was about five years ago they found uh, a fisherman that was killed by a bear and he was half buried in the bank. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great fish. If (laughs) (laughs) that would have been one hungry bear, I guess. I don't know. Oh, man. Well, it's one of those things you never know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, call him A, call him B, or is he playing the right games or the wrong ones? The wrong ones, yeah. Yeah, He he wasn't very nice to the bear. Yeah. Oh, man. So what's your bucket list fish, man? My bucket list fish will be going to the seashells for some uh, giant trevally, the GTs. Ooh, very neat. Where all the royals vacation there? Apparently, but uh, yeah, I'll, yeah. The, the, the giant trevallies are uh, are fantastic. The uh, the sharks, I think, are even scared of them from from what I hear because they're they're so aggressive. They'll they'll headbutt into the things, and uh, I've had a few friends that have gone to Christmas Island and caught them there. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it's it's quite an experience. So what do they, what do they look like? Are they look like a shark? Or no, or they uh, the big ones get to be about uh, you know thirty six inches long, maybe a little bit bigger, but they're quite wide. Okay. So they're kind of a, a flatter a flatter fish. Do they kind of look like a manta ray then? Like, um, I'm just trying to think here of what something that you might know. Uh, have you seen a gold eye? You familiar with? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I could bring it up right now on my phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they look like a giant permit. If you know what a permit looks okay. like. Okay. I think I do. Yeah. So yeah. they're they're kind of uh, 
yeah, like I say, they're they're not really circular like a, a manta ray. They're they're more elongated, like a long oval. Okay. But wider body, like a very deep, deep body. Uh, you know, not much on the shoulders, but but then long. So incredibly powerful. They they play uh, the current to their advantage as well. Um, and what they do is they're a deep water fish. Like this. Oh. Is that the one? Yeah. So imagine that, but but bigger. So now if you look up a giant trevally on there. That is a cool looking fish. Yeah, they're... Uh, hey, it looks very metallic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, wow. they, they are fun to catch. If if you have never gone for gold eye, and especially on a fly rod, you got to go. Just take silver looking flies. Yeah, look oh, that. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. What is that thing? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And, and there's like numerous different species of them. That is terrifying. That is awesome. Yeah. So imagine these things come out now from, you know, thousands of feet deep. Oh, wow. That is some hey. great photos, man. Yeah, and then they come up onto flats. So they're literally like in thigh deep water now. And they're just eating on the flats. So you're trying to cast to these things. And when you hook them, their first instinct is to get back out to the Ooh. deep water. Oh, yeah, man. eating a bird. Yeah. It eats a they eat birds. Yeah. Wow. Like and you know, they're so broad. They must have so much torque when they're fighting. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. And again, so now you're talking about spending money on on fishing gear. This is when you do it. Oh, no doubt. Like, right? uh, I feel like you need a crane to pull that thing out of the water. Yeah. Oh, wow. Look at that jump, man. Yeah. They are incredibly powerful fish. Wow. That is unreal. Like, because uh, I, I, I went deep ocean fishing, like blue water fishing a number of years ago. And we went and the whole reason we went was kind of random because this friend of mine, they were drinking at a bar and it was some guy's birthday and he happened to be the first mate on some fishing boat. So we ended up all going the next day, and I was like, you guys just met some random dude in the bar. We're going on this boat. Whatever. I don't care. We're in Hawaii. Like, come on. Why not? Why, why not go Absolutely. And we were all extremely hungover that day. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just taking word for it that this guy wasn't, you know, pulling a fast one on. I'm like, oh, I'm first mate on a fishing boat. Like, you know, that's bad. That's my default position that everybody's trying to pull everybody's leg. But hey, I, I, <laughs> you know, why not? So we go. And you know what? They're they're giving us the whole briefing about how to climb into the harness, and all I can think about is Jaws. <laughs> oh, dude! And they got the whole hook up off the back, and I'm just like, oh man, we're gonna catch a shark or something badass. And as we're leaving the harbor, there's this marlin that's just hanging on the on the scale there, right? And I'm like, oh man, that like it's the size of a deer. It's just this big, beautiful fish. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell am I gonna do if I catch this thing? I'm supposed to be on a plane in two days. <laughs> like I, I wouldn't even know what I would do with it. But, you know, he had big expectations and, like, everything. Well, yeah, we didn't catch anything that whole day. He just kind of sat there. I think I got sunburnt. Uh, Buddy's hat blew off because he was wearing, like, I don't know, like, it was one of these huge woven hats. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I've got one of those. Yeah, it ended up blowing off, and we had to come around with one of the hooks and pick it up. And that was the only thing we caught all day, so we made him take a picture. Like, <laughs> and, and this buddy of mine, he, like, he has another story where he, he saw a tumbleweed that he was convinced was a deer, so he made him get out and take like a trophy picture with it. So it was just kind of the same, uh, <laughs> the same kind of thing, right? So you should have had it mounted. Oh, you know what? That would have been excellent. You know, that might be a gift for, for future years, but we'll see. <laughs> that deep water fishing, man, like, oh, man, it's just, uh, yeah, it just looks awesome, right? Like, it's well, just, and it's a, it's a cool, cool experience, man, if, if you've never done it. I'm not a big deep water guy, but I do enjoy going from time to time. Um, but again, in the ocean, you've got flats uh, that act like rivers. Um, you know, you could play like even for salmon. If, if you don't want to necessarily go for the salmon in the rivers, um, you know, as they, as they come up, they'll be in the kelp just off right mm -hmm. off the shores. So you can go and do that. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you name it, opportunities are endless. But I think the coolest thing I've ever I've ever seen, and I wouldn't mind trying it one day, was watching a, a fly fishing film, and these guys were catching mako sharks. Oh wow, sharks, not sharks, on a fly. <laughs> it's all good. We have editing material. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was incredible. So these guys chum the water, and then they have these just massive flies that look like you just tied a chicken onto the hook. <laughs> And they get this thing out, and next thing you know, they hook up onto this shark. And for the next literally two minutes, the shark was doing cartwheels out of the out of the ocean. Wow! It it was the most amazing thing I think I've I've ever seen. So the energy that those things have in the fight through the video, you know. And this is just down in San Diego. Oh man. Yeah, so, that's you know, great. Yeah, you don't have to travel halfway around the world to get into some yeah some, some fun stuff. So sure. there's some creative guys out there, you know, if you if you open up and you look at it, yeah, there's there's a lot of cool things to go and try. Well, yeah, and especially now, like uh, you know, going back to where we were talking about the internet, you can really show off a lot of this. I don't want to say it's goofy because it's not, but it's just these uh, incredibly different uh, uh, philosophies of catching something. Well, and in some of the things you see, you're like, I never thought that would have worked. I didn't even know you could do that, right? And well, absolutely. Um, we had some family that lived in Florida for a while, so we would go down to Orlando and uh, went to one of the local uh, shops there and was talking to somebody. And within five minutes of being in the shop, he's taken me on, on Google Maps, put up the satellite view, and then he was teaching me how to look for oyster shale, like, uh, like uh, oyster bars cool. in the water. Because that's where a lot of these fish hang out. Oh. So all of a sudden, you know, now you're using it as a little tool to go and pick out places to go fish. Because, of course, I didn't know where to go, what to do. And so, yeah, these guys opened the door and opened the info and off you go. Oh, wow. So, like, uh, I'm talking about the states. Like, uh, are there any rivers like you ever got down to Montana or anything oh, like that? Or? Absolutely. Uh, Montana's my go-to place outside of Alberta. I mean, I, lo- I love fishing in BC and, and I love going for salmon. But... You know, sadly, I uh, have boycotted uh, fishing sort of that ferny area where they've classified a lot of waters. And, uh, you know, I I feel they treat us now uh, like a second-class citizen. These are federal waters. And if if the BC residents pay 20 bucks a year on top of their annual fee to fish that, I don't know why I have to pay $20 a day. I'm also a Canadian citizen. So that's what got me fishing across the border, though. Okay. Which was the best thing you know, ever because so the door I have, closed and the window opened. Really. Oh, did it ever? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the waters that are just across the border from us are definitely world class waters. Wow. Yeah. So is it a lot of the? Well, I imagine it's the same fish, right? Or is it just like a, the the abundance, the water? It's, what what makes what what takes the cake? What makes it such a big draw? You know, they take care of their fisheries a lot better than we do in Montana. They discovered that. Uh, the outdoor industry, not fishing in general, but the outdoor industry brings in more money than the pharmaceutical industry. So all of a sudden they started uh, taking care of their waters, controlling how the dams flow at what times. There's there's a boat launch about every eight miles. Oh, wow. As an example on, on the Missouri River around Great Falls. But they have also about 8,000 fish per mile on that river. Where in the bow, you know, I think now we're down to maybe about 1,200 fish oh, wow. per mile. Because, you know, we're, we're not taking care of it the way we should be and need to. So, 
you know, absolutely. It's it's the way the land is taken care of. Uh, you don't see the litter okay. that we seem to get here. Is it just because we have these major population centers kind of near the water? I think you, it's you it's that? education. Okay. Like the big the big population centers, I mean, you're going to find that anywhere. But also that said, for Calgary and the size of our city, we probably have one of the best fisheries for the size that Calgary is. Yeah, like 1.3 million in the area? In the area. Like that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So, you know, based on that and the number of fish we have, it is excellent. Uh, you know, sadly, though, once you get to the mountains or, you know, further down into the into the tailwaters, that's where you really start noticing the difference between how the fish and the waters are managed down south as opposed to what we do here. So they do a lot of, uh, I guess, habitat restoration, habitat management, protection. Like what's what's their go to strategy? Education. Education. Oh, okay. Education is the big one. Right. You know, people now understanding that, okay, if I take my quad through the river, this is what it affects. Mm -hmm. You know, if I leave my garbage out, this is what happens. Okay. If we control our water flow and and manage our energy, you know, here's what we could do to complement what we have. So you're noticing lots of like plastics because I know a lot of those plastics, et cetera, they're really horrible for fish. And then, um, it's, it's everything there. There was that whirling disease that was big in the news mm-hmm. years ago. I'm sure that's still like that probably that clearly hasn't gone away. It still must be there in some sense. Well, in my mind, uh, from what I understand of it, uh, it's always been there. Okay. Uh, the issue was they hadn't tested it for about 10 years. Okay. So when they went and retested it, the prevalence was way up. Well, it was, it was still there. Oh, okay. It wasn't that it was up. We haven't lost fish. Uh, I know on the Yellowstone, they, they got hit quite hard with it uh, because generally that whirling disease only affects juvenile fish. So, right. You know, it's exactly uh, what it sounds like. They just kind of spiral. Well, they become a zombie fish. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the worms eat away at their, uh, their brain and oh, they just, yeah, they sort of lose control of, of everything and end up uh, dying. Uh, and, and it never goes away. Basically, once the fish dies or, or what have you, then, you know, the um, uh, the worm yeah, it just degrades it so much. That. Yeah, it just actually goes back in the soil oh, and, so and, it and, and it could lay dormant there. there for God knows how long. And then all of a sudden something will trigger it, envi- trigger it environmentally oh, so and like you'll have a bloom. We had a couple of years back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. OK, so, you know, knock on wood, uh, they did see it, but it wasn't, uh, <laughs> you know, it. it it didn't become a, an issue. Okay. Not that it can't in the future. Okay. So are there any other, are there any big, um, I guess, threats right now? Because like we, we, you and I talked about this offline briefly about some concern with the Old Man River. Well, you know, between um, industrial, mining, um, I think people just dumping in general when they go camping, yeah. leaving their refuse out. Because I mean, like I've, I've collected garbage bins i've i literally will fill a fishing net two or three times a day on a bad year of garbage oh wow in in my small walks wow cigarette butts cans i mean you know i I think the big thing that you see in montana if you packed it in just pack it out out. yeah you know it's just it's these little things that we do that will make our resources just so much better for us to enjoy awesome and you know, I totally, I totally agree with that. Brooke, how are we doing for time, buddy? Yeah, we're about an hour. So. Okay. Well, you know what, George, that was really great, and you know what, you uh, you've really enlightened me a lot on uh, on the fishing world. How uh, 
you know, and just how much there is to it. Um, and, you know, I totally look forward to getting on the water with you again because, man, that was awesome. I'm still bragging about that experience. And I had, well, had my cool beard going that one day. And I had an awesome <laughs> shot. That, yeah. was, that was just a terrific time, man. I remember saying, like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know if I can make this work. I don't know about gear. And you're like, I got you, brother. And, and you know, that was, that, dude, that was a great day. Like, that, that rings very highly in, uh, in my memories out there. And um, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, bite me fly coach. Do you have a, I'll give you the final say as the, uh, well, the long senior serving fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> Not really in a crowded field here, but you know what? You are, you are an expert at your craft, man. And I am, uh, I'm so thankful for you for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, a great man, a great fisherman, and you know, just a terrific Albertan. So thank you so much for being here. And George, uh, any final words, man, for our listeners? Well, you know what? Thank you guys for, for having me on. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. But you know what? Let's just take care of our our homeland, our home waters, and uh, just make it a better place for uh, for us to enjoy in the future and our kids. Awesome. Those are those are terrific parting words. Thank you so much again, and uh, thank you to all our listeners, all our sponsors, and you. Know, we'll see you guys in a couple of days. Take care. Thanks. Ciao.